Do you think, I know you want Joe Biden to win, do you think that Haley or Trump would be easier to beat for him? Well, first of all, I think she's one of our better surrogates, so I hope she stays in. I hope she does well tomorrow. All the nasty stuff well she says enough. about Trump. Uh, she's spot on, uh, on 99% of it, so I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this primary, and I hope it continues. So I wish her luck. Uh, but look, Trump's the nominee. We all know that. You know that. Everybody out there knows that. And I think the polls are suggestive. She's going to get well up tomorrow, uh, and then she'll make a case, I guess, uh, just to continue in this. But again, I, I have no problem with her continuing for as long as she wishes, because I think she's making a good case against Trump. Head-to-head -head polls suggest that she would clean Biden's clock. Yeah. Uh, and it's a tougher race. Uh, uh, Trump's, Trump's the nominee. Everybody knows Trump's the nominee. So there's it does, not, not, a, so there's not a state that, with respect, there's no evidence to suggest, there's no polling to suggest, there's nothing to suggest, momentum or otherwise, that she can win any state uh, in the Republican primary uh, coming up. So it's just not. Donald Trump is the nominee. Uh, You're everybody tough, knows that. No, and I don't mean that to be dismissive. I, I have respect for the former governor uh, a lot more than the former president, Donald Trump. Uh, but as I said, I, I wish her luck uh, in the context of being out there and making the case that we're making against Donald Trump equally. So you're also making a case for Joe Biden. You're trying to make a case for President Biden. A CNN poll of polls today finds Biden's average approval rating, his average approval rating is just 39 percent. Voters do not seem to see in President Biden what you see. Yeah, I mean, we got to mind the gap between performance and uh, perception, no doubt about it. When you have the lowest black unemployment, lowest unemployment for Hispanics, lowest unemployment for women in 70 years, uh, one of the most significant jobs records of any president in three-year period in American history, more jobs being created and startups being started in this country, inflation now cooling and economy continuing to boom. 39-plus thousand Dow. I mean, it's an extraordinary record. And we just have to make the case, and that's what campaigns are about. We're out there making that case. Well, is he able to make the case the way that you are? We all are making the case. It's but the is he able to do it the way you do, with the alacrity, the speed, the command? That well, you I was just with him. He's making a case for industrial policy, bringing back American manufacturing jobs and supply chains. He was talking about the CHIPS Act, the Science Act. He was talking about his bipartisan infrastructure bill. He was talking about what he wants to accomplish on the border as effectively or well than any of us. And I just had that privilege and opportunity to see that uh, with governors, from both the Republican and the Democratic Party. And, of course, Democrats were out there plotting the president. The Republicans were sitting there confused uh, that the president actually has a plan and agenda and compromise, which is what we want in a president, willing to compromise with the other party. But Republicans in Congress are refusing to move forward with that bipartisan immigration deal because of one person, Donald Trump. They care more about Trump's success than addressing this fundamental issue. So if you were president, and I know you're not running, et cetera, et cetera, but if you were president, you would sign that compromise into law because there are a lot of people on the left who don't like that compromise. Well, I, look, it's the art of the deal. The president was making the case with us just moments ago that he didn't get the dreamers in there, didn't get a lot on the TPS, didn't get a lot of what he wanted, but it's the art of what's possible. And the bottom line is he called their bluff. He called their bluff. They're not interested in governing. It's all entertainment. It's performance. Donald Trump was on the phone lighting up potential supporters of that bipartisan deal, threatening them. That's the state of the Republican Party today. That's, that's not Ronald Reagan's Republican Party. This is Donald Trump's Republican Party, and I think it's an abject shame. And I say that as a border state governor that needs the support, that would have been benefited from this bipartisan deal, $1.4 billion will go to cities and states. We're starting to shut down 
some of our migrant centers in the state of California, that's on the Republican Party. That's on Speaker Johnson. That's on Donald Trump. So let's ask about that because you are a border state governor. Immigration, huge topic today at the White House. Sources say uh, the president is considering executive action to severely restrict migrants' ability to seek asylum at the southern border. Uh, to get Today, the Congressional Hispanic Caucus called that idea unbelievable and accused Biden of, quote, using immigrant communities as a political pawn. Would you support the executive action? Do you need that kind of relief? Well, none, of us, we, none of us have the details of the executive action, so I'm not going to answer that specifically. But as it relates to addressing the issue of asylum, it needs to be addressed. With all due respect, the asylum system is broken. Yeah. We've been saying that consistently. Do the standards How need to be raised? We need well, incredible fear, absolutely. I don't think that. I know it. I experience it all the time. Remember, I'm the governor of the border state with the largest port of entry in the Western Hemisphere. We don't need to be educated on this topic. There's no doubt it's being gamed. Everybody knows that. It's how we fix it. I would prefer to fix it in a bipartisan deal, working with credible people on the other side, but they don't exist currently in the Republican Party. So to the extent he asserts himself from an executive prism, I understand why that brings up a controversial frame and stress. That said, at least applaud him for trying to assert himself. Of course, the courts will have more to say on that than any of us. Speaking of courts, uh, the Alabama Supreme Court ruled uh, that frozen embryos are children. Um, they uh, invoked uh, the wrath of a, of a holy God yes, in their decision. Of course. Um, multiple clinics in the state are now pausing their IVF treatments as a result. <laughs> uh, you called the decision sickening. Yeah, of um, what are Democrats going to do about it, if anything? Well, we'll continue to be on the offense. We're, we're, we're backed up by the American people. We're backed up post-Dobbs. You just see these Republican parties on the defense on this issue for good reason, because the American people have had it. This extremism manifested the ultimate of extremism on the issue that impacts one out of every six people that in their lifetime have fertility issues. This is profound. And you talk about freedom, spare me. The Republican Party and this freedom gospel? What about family freedom? What about the right of people that want to start a family? And think about this, Jake. You know this. Everybody knows this. You saw the stats. 65,000 births due to rapes since Dobbs in 14 states. Apparently, what the Republican Party is saying is the rapists have more rights to bring those babies to birth than families that are trying desperately to have the privilege you and I have had as fathers and parents. It is a disgrace, and it's a political problem for them, but it's a moral issue. And I found what happened in Alabama disgusting. And by the way, you have an AG in Alabama that also is out there promoting a travel ban that wants to criminalize travel for anyone that seeks an abortion out of state. That's how extreme the state of the Republican Party is. As you probably know, California's homelessness crisis is the worst in the United States. More than 180,000 people are homeless in that state. And according to a recent survey, two-thirds of those homeless Californians say they have a mental health condition. But only 18% of them have received treatment recently. Mental health and how it relates to homelessness is literally on the ballot in California in two weeks. It's called Proposition 1. It would reform the state's Mental Health Services Act and would approve a $6.4 billion bond to pay for more housing and mental health care facilities. Counties in California would then be required to spend 60% of that toward housing and funding programs for those with serious mental illness or substance abuse issues. California Governor Gavin Newsom is still with me. Let's talk about Prop 1. Some counties say this would make homelessness worse. Uh, that it would be taking away from existing programs or would pit them against each other rather, in, rather than fostering collaboration. What, what do you say to those, those counties? Uh, 
That's a ridiculous statement. Uh, but you've heard that. You've heard people say that. Yeah, it's a ridiculous statement. It falls flat on the facts. $6.38 billion of new investment bonds for 11,150 new locked beds, or excuse me, no longer locked bed, community-based beds, uh, and treatment slots. Billions of dollars that would be dedicated to housing, housing supports, and allow substance abuse to be used to address this critical issue. Uh, I think those arguments are rather stale. And one argument that ultimately I think is the most persuasive is the status quo. It's untenable. It's unacceptable. And we have bipartisan support for this. Uh, we're moving in a direction to take care of our, our vets moving in a direction to take care of our workforce and to invest an unprecedented amount of money to invest at scale with accountability mm -hmm. for the first time in 50 years in the state of California.